we're going to continue. We're we basically coming into land with this series, but I still have a feeling that there is more. Because I know, um, I know I've, I don't know, I've just got stuff inside of me that I haven't had a chance to, to just blah, to say. And so, um, so in if, essentially, we, we are finishing the series today, but we might pick it up again in two weeks' time. Because next Sunday, we've got a special treat. We've got senior pastor Gina Elms preaching here next Sunday. So make every effort to be here. She's going to have a word. She hasn't preached here for a little while now. It's, it's I think, 2019. No, no, she came back in... I don't know. I can't remember. I don't know. <laughs> but we've got Gina Elms preaching here next Sunday. So we are going to be thoroughly blessed by this woman of God. And uh, But for today, we're going to continue in the series on the will of God. And we've been covering this over the last couple of weeks. A couple of weeks, the first week, we, we spoke from Romans chapter 12. Remember that, when we learned about God's perfect will as opposed to his permissive will. Romans 12 says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds that we may know and approve what is God's perfect will for our lives. And um, last week we spoke about understanding the will of God. And from Ephesians, I just want to pick this up again, Ephesians 5 verse 17. And it says this, therefore do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not be unwise. In other words, wisdom is understanding what the will of the Lord is. If we're unwise, we don't understand what the will of the Lord is. So we're going to, we, and we're going to, we're going to unpack this a little bit more today. But we, last week, we specifically, we looked at the life of the Apostle Paul, or Saul, as he was before, he, before his conversion. And also we looked at Jonah, remember, where Saul distorted and he denied the truth. And Jonah, what did he do? He resisted and he ran from the presence of God. So today we're going to just continue along similar lines of understanding the importance of understanding the will of God in our lives. I mean, our foundation scripture for today is actually Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Proverbs 3, 5, a well-known scripture. I know we could all probably quote it just off the top of our heads. But let's, let's read it as if we're reading it for the first time today. Look at it with fresh eyes. And it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Yeah, that's good. Let's read it together. Let's go together. One, two, three. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. That's all. Don't go on. Just three to six. Thank you. Three, five to six. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Other translations say, don't rely on your own insight. Don't rely on your own intelligence, even. Your own knowledge or your own wisdom. In fact, another translation says, never rely on what you think you know. <laughs> Don't rely on what you think you know. I love what, what um, 1 Corinthians 8 says, is that if anyone thinks he knows anything... <laughs> This is one of those put-down scriptures. If you think you know anything, we know nothing yet as we ought to know. If we think we know, 
We don't know. Okay, so, but we, what we need to do is we need to get God's perspective on matters. Not our own opinion, not our own intellect, but God's perspective. And so it's important for us to, to not just know the will of God, but to also walk in the knowledge of that, of that will of God that we already know. And then as we, as we walk in the will of God that we already know, understanding will follow. Understanding will follow. Look what it says in Proverbs 24.3. It says, through wisdom, a house is built. And by understanding, a house is established. So when we understand what the will of the Lord is, by understanding, we are established. We are established. In fact, the, the Amplified says, on a sound and a good foundation. Hey, let's have a good sound and a good foundation. When we understand what the will of God is, we are established on a sound and good foundation. So the purpose of understanding is to establish us so that we can become established. We're not going to become weird. Okay, we're not going to be tossed about by every wind and wave of doctrine. We're going to be standing on a firm and a solid, good foundation. So, if anybody, does anybody here want to know what the will of God is for your life? Hey, yes, yes, yes. I've got a word for you today. Yes, let's look at this word. I've got a word for you. 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 16 to 18. There can be no doubt that this is the will of God. Rejoice always. <laughs> Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. This is God's will for you. And so we can read that scripture and we think, yeah, okay, I know it. I can quote it. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. What's it going on? In everything, give thanks. <laughs> See, when you think you know, would you take care because you don't know? <laughs> but it's really clear. Isn't it really clear? That's pretty clear. This is God's will for us to rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and in everything, give thanks. But by reading this, just by reading it, doesn't mean we have the understanding. It doesn't mean that we're established. It doesn't mean we're doing it. It's only as we start doing it, we read it, we know this is the will of God. We read it, we know what the will of God is. But it's only as we walk in it, it's only as we do it, as we rejoice always. Rejoice always. Ooh, rejoice always. You know, when you're sitting in a traffic jam, when your teachers give you extra homework, when your mother is picking on you or your kids are picking on you, whichever way you want to take it, eh? but rejoice always. Why? Why? Because when I choose to rejoice, despite my circumstances, despite what's going on in my life, when I choose to rejoice in the God of my salvation, then strength comes. Then, then joy comes. That's what happens. God's presence manifests. This is the will of God. 
So, so, so suddenly God's presence manifests and the word of God says that in his presence is fullness of joy. So we can rejoice. It's a choice we have. We can choose to pray without ceasing. We can pray. We can thank God. We can be, be thankful in all things, not for all things, but in the midst of the storm, in the midst of the trial, we can, we can, um, we can do God's will. So when I choose to rejoice, the Habakkuk, Habakkuk 2, or is it 2 or 3? I think it's 3. Actually, it's brilliant. He says, you know, though the, though the fig tree may fall and the almond tree doesn't blossom and the stalls are empty, there's, there's nothing, it's decimation. He says, yet I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. He says, my, he, will give my, he will make my feet like deer's feet running about on the high hills. Not high hills, okay, on the high hills. He'll set us up on a high place, never missing a step, full of life, full of vitality, full of joy. When we do the word of God, when we do the will of God, because what happens is suddenly we get the understanding. We get the the understanding comes. Oh, God, I see what you're saying. Rejoice always in the midst of the storm, because suddenly I'm experiencing God's, God's peace, God's joy, So this is what it's all about. Do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Wisdom is understanding the will of God. So we're to know the will of God, we're to do the will of God, and then understanding will follow and we will be established. This is going to just, I tell you what, this is, we could actually stop here. I've got so much other stuff to say, but we could actually just stop here and think about this. And let's purpose in our hearts. Let's do it. Yeah. I'm, I'm doing it, I'm, and, but I've got to check myself. It's easy to become negative. It's, you know, you just have to watch the news, you know. Just, it's terrible out there. But let's rejoice always. Let's pray without ceasing. When we watch the news, pray. Pray for those people. Sudan. Ukraine, I mean, all over the world. Let's pray. Pray without ceasing. But in everything, give thanks. Thank you, Lord, you hear my prayer. Thank you, Lord, for protecting the people in those countries. Thank you, Lord, for our government. Thank you, Lord. And then, then we get the understanding, because we're doing the will of God. We're doing the will of God. There's a little insect flying around here. <laughs> so, Proverbs 3, though, is a two-way street. Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6... It's a two-way street, and it's made up of four parts. We're responsible for three-quarters of that scripture. God is only responsible for the last quarter. The Bible says in Proverbs 3 that we are to trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. Lean not on our own understanding, on our own intellect, but to and to acknowledge him in all our ways. In all our ways, hey? not just some of our ways. You know, how about when you get the hump, eh? <laughs> Acknowledge God when you've got the hump, when somebody isn't doing what you want them to do, or, you know, something like that. It's like, no, but hang on, Lord. You say, I must acknowledge you in all my ways, in all my ways. Okay, so stop rolling your eyes heavenward, even if you do it behind closed doors. <laughs> God sees, <laughs> you know, <laughs> he watches us. 
But we've got to do this and let allow his word to become the leading influence in all that we do, in all that we say, in all that we think every single day of our lives. Then he will do the rest. He'll direct our paths. We've got the three-quarter bit to do. He's only got the one-quarter bit. And we saw this in action last week with Jonah. Remember Jonah? God said to Jonah, go to Nineveh and preach against it. You know, they were full of wickedness and so forth. And God said to Jonah, this was God's perfect will. Go to Nineveh and preach against it. But Jonah, because God's will for the people of Nineveh was salvation. God knew what his purpose was. But Jonah thought he knew better. He thought, no, no, he's not going to trust God. He's going to rely on his own intelligence and his own opinions and, and, um, and his own knowledge. And he chose to not walk in God's way, in God's will. So he had no understanding of it. He had no understanding of what God's will was about. And he certainly wasn't established. So instead, what he did, he resisted and he ran. And um, instead of going to Nineveh, he went to Tarshish. This is all on last week's message, so you can listen to last week's message in more detail. But he, 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 he went in the opposite direction to Tarshish. It's somewhere in the Med, two and a half thousand miles away. I mean, talk about a waste of time, energy, effort, money. He bought a ticket. He went down to Joppa and he bought a ticket and he paid to go two and a half thousand miles away. What a waste, eh? Just to run away from the will of God. But God allowed it. God allowed him. That's a perfect example there of God's perfect will and his permissive will. He didn't stop Jonah. He let Jonah go, go for it. Go for it, Jonah. I, I'm not going to change my mind. <laughs> Have you noticed God is quite single-minded? You know, we can't manipulate him. We can't get him to change his mind. <laughs> what he says goes, you know. So, um, but then we look at what happened. In Jonah 1 verse 4, Jonah 1 verse 4, but the Lord, the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea and there was a mighty tempest on the sea so that the ship was about to be broken up. The Lord sent a storm to Jonah. So, Jonah experienced the storm, and he spent three days and three nights in the fish hotel. And before he had that encounter with God in the belly of the fish, and which is when he came to his senses, and he repented. And he repented, and he went to Nineveh. And if we fast forward about 800 years, we go to Matthew chapter 8, verses 23 to 24, this is 800 years later. Now when he, Jesus, got into a boat, his disciples followed him. And suddenly a great tempest, there's that word again, arose on the sea so that the boat was covered with the waves. But he was asleep. Jesus was asleep. So what's this got to do with anything? Well, there were two boats and there were two storms, but they were... Were, those two were for very different reasons. One was a consequence of disobedience, and the other one was a consequence of obedience. So we need to discern the source of the storm that we can be facing. We need to know 
whether repentance is required or endurance. Whether repentance or endurance. Lest we try to rebuke when we need to endure. It's no good rebuking a storm if we need to repent. We need to... If we have to endure a storm, if it's Jesus is in our boat, then we need to endure it. If God has sent a storm in our lives, I'm not saying God always sends storms. It doesn't all just, God doesn't generally send us trials. He can. Okay, this is another subject altogether before getting myself into a total fix here. But, but in this particular instance with Jonah, God sent a storm. And it was a consequence of his disobedience. So there are consequences to disobedience and consequences to obedience. So if we're in disobedience, it's no good rebuking the storm. We need to repent. We need to repent. And like Jonah, change direction. That's what it means, change direction. If we're walking in obedience and a storm hits us, that's when we need to endure. That's when we need to endure. So there's a difference. And today, that's just my intro. (laughs) Uh, So I better get a move on. But we're going to look at an example, of another example in the Bible of a man who walked in obedience to God's will. It can only be one person, and it's got to be Abraham, the father of our faith. He didn't only follow God, but he walked in absolute obedience and trust to God. And we're going to look at just two main aspects of his life. His unwavering faith and trust in God and his obedience to go where God told him to go. This man, Abraham, he hadn't read Proverbs chapter 3. He hadn't, he hadn't actually read it in his Bible yet. But this man, he would trust in the Lord with all his heart. He wouldn't lean on his own intellect, on his own understanding, on his own insight. And as he did so, as he, as he trusted God, God would direct his path. So we pick this up in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 to 4. This is the scripture we had when we, left. we were told by God to leave South Africa, in fact. But this is the word that God spoke to Abraham. Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house. Go to a land that I will show you. (laughs) Oh, my word. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. At this time, um, Abraham was 75 years old, and he gets a promise from God saying, I will I will make you a great nation. I'll make your name great and you shall be a blessing. He says, I'll make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Verse 4. So Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken to him. Instant obedience. Instant he went, there, there was no discussion, there was no explanation, there was no detail, the writing wasn't on the wall, none of that. Just, you're leaving, leave, leave Abraham. He didn't lean on his own understanding, he didn't lean on his own logic, on his own intelligence, he trusted God. 
And can you imagine him on that particular day? You know, telling his family, okay, pack up, we're going. Where are we going? I don't know. <laughs> Why are we going? I don't know. We're going because God told us to go. What do we do when we get there? I don't know. <laughs> We're just going to step out in obedience. All that Abraham knew was that, that he knew God. All he, he knew God and he knew God could be trusted. He trusted in the Lord with all his heart. He knew the will of God. He did the will of God. And he trusted the will of God. He instantly obeyed. And then the understanding came later. He knew God was good on his promises. And so he trusted in his word. He trusted him. And he went to Canaan straight away. And you know, it's a, a, unlike his father. His father, this guy's name is Terah. He's from Ur of the Chaldeans. And he and took the whole family and decided they're going to Canaan. But when he got halfway there from Ur to Canaan, he stopped. He, it wasn't just a little pit stop. It was 135 years, and he landed up dying there. He was there for 135 years, and then he died. You know, sometimes when God tells us to do something... Um, things can become a little bit tough at times. And we want to give up. And I think Galatians 6, where God says, no, don't grow weary. Just keep going. You've not quite reached your promised land yet. That's none of you, okay? You've, you're in your promised land right now, okay? This is not a word from God that you must leave the church, okay? <laughs> but whatever it is that God has been, taught, been, been dealing with you about, you know, don't give up. Also, don't become comfortable. Don't become complacent. Because where, where Terah came from in Ur was a desert land. Where he, where he had his 135-year pit stop in Haran was a, a verdant valley. It was on the river Euphrates. So it's a nice, lush environment. You know, it's a bit like God saying, okay, go to leave this place and go live in Birmingham or someplace. I've never been to Birmingham, but it's in the middle there, isn't it? I don't think, I don't know what it's like. I've never been there. I don't want to discredit Birmingham. But then, you know, on the way there, I stop at, what's a nice place? Cornwall, Cornwall, thank you. Limington, yes, one of these nice places. And I think, no, look, I'm, uh, uh, this is much better. Why, why do I need to go, go to Birmingham? I want to stay in Cornwall or Limington. One of these places, it's comfortable. Surely God wants the best for me. No, but be careful of that. But we're not going to do that. So, so Abram left Canaan. I mean, so Abram left Haran when God told him to. And he arrived in Canaan. And shortly after that, a famine hits the land. So everything dries up. There's no more provision. So, what, so, so, so Abram, okay, we're going. Let's go to Egypt. You know, he could have just stayed there and said, I'm going to trust you, God. Well, he could have, maybe he was believing God for the ravens to come and feed him. Well, problem would have been he would have died because that wasn't God's pur purpose for him. So they had to leave, they had to go to Egypt where there was provision and God blessed him, even in Egypt. So just because you 
following God's will, the reason what I'm, what I'm, the point I'm trying to make is just because you're following God's will, it doesn't mean that you're not going to face challenges. It doesn't mean that you've, that you, you know, you're not going to come up against any opposition. But, but God is faithful. You know, you think of the three Hebrew guys: Shadrach, Meshach, and into bed you go. Abednego. Okay, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace. You know, God didn't put out the fire. He didn't put out the fire, but he placed someone in the fire to walk with them. And then they came out unharmed and not even smelling of smoke. So it's not about saving you from every fire, but it's about having the right one with you. Like those disciples where Jesus was asleep in the boat. That's what it's about. That's what it's about. You remember that Psalm 66 that I fluffed it last week and I said it was Psalm 65? Not that one. I've forgotten that now. It's Psalm 66. But the Bible says that we went through the fire and we went through the water. But God brought us into rich fulfillment. You know, we have to, there are challenges that we have to overcome. But radical obedience doesn't just happen. It doesn't just all come at once. It's a process. It's a process. It comes step by step as we obey God every step of the way. You know, the Bible says his word is a lamp unto our feet, not a spotlight. It's one step at a time. It's precept upon precept. It's a line upon line. It's the scripture that says the path of the just is like the shining sun that shines ever brighter unto the perfect day. You know, when I woke up, I think it was about half past four this morning, and the sun was coming up, and I could hear the birds tweeting. And, um, but it wasn't like a midday sun, although it's close to midday and there's not much sun, actually, to come to think of it. But, you know, but it's, it's, it starts off slowly, and it's the same thing with, with um, the ways of God. His word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. But it's the small things that we do that will take us and lead us to bigger things. God's, his word says that if we're faithful with little, he will entrust us with much. So radical obedience comes one small step at a time. Just one small step. Being willing to trust God with the seemingly insignificant. You know, we've heard this, that faith is like a muscle. You know, when you exercise your muscles, they become firm and the muscle grows. But in the same manner, I believe obedience, it works the same for obedience. It starts with small steps, but it can grow. You can almost develop a habit of obedience. You can just become, yes, Lord, okay, whatever you say. Oswald uh, Chambers said it like this. Spiritual maturity is not reached by the passing of the years, but by obedience to the will of God. Spiritual, obedience, spiritual maturity is not reached by the age, by your age. You know, don't think just because you, you're old that you're spiritually mature. It's by obedience to the will of God. That's what spiritual maturity is about. So Abraham's obedience to God 
started with those small steps, but it's those small steps when he traveled from Haran to Canaan one step at a time. It's those small steps that empowered him, that enabled him. So that when God spoke to him again in Genesis 22, God said these words to him. Genesis 22. Some years later, um, he says to Abraham, Take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. There he goes again. I'll tell you where to go, but you just take your son, your only son Isaac. This is the son Isaac that when Abram was 100 years old, that's when Isaac was born. He'd been, this, he'd been the son of promise. God had promised him 25 years earlier. You know, we sometimes think we get the hump, eh? But God, I prayed this last week or today. Why haven't you answered it? 25 years, he says. And, he, and uh, uh, can you just leave that scripture up there, Johnny? He says, um, take now your son, your only son, Isaac, but we know that Abraham had another son called Ishmael. But God didn't recognize Ishmael because Isaac was the son of promise. Ishmael was a work of the flesh. But God recognized Isaac only. And he says, take now your son whom you love. This is in Genesis 22. It's the first time in the Bible that the word love is mentioned. And it's in the context of a father and a son. This is such a picture of the gospel. This is Jesus. I mean, you can hear God's the father saying, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting land. He says, take now your son, your only son Isaac, that's the one I recognize, whom you love and um, whom you love and offer him there as a burnt offering. And Abraham ob obeyed. He obeyed. Why did he obey? First of all, because he trusted God. And secondly, because he had obeyed God all those years previously. He had been taking those steps of obedience to the will of God all those years. So when God gave him this instruction, he didn't delay. He didn't delay. God, he, the very next morning, he prepared and he took his son and they went on a three-day journey before they came to the place where he was going to be sacrificed. You think about it. You know, we read the scripture and we think, oh, okay, oh, three days. Three days and three nights. It's symbolic again. You know, but what he must have been going through. Can you imagine the emotion? But you know, we, we, we sang that song earlier um, by Maverick City 
um, what was it, what were the lyrics in it? Something about, um, you have my mind, you have my emotions. And I think, I think Abraham thought of that song then. He says, you've got my emotions, Lord. Because can you imagine how his emotions must have got in the way? But he, did, but it, but he didn't. He just kept his, he kept his face, fo he was focused on doing the will of God. He trusted God entirely. And in fact, it says, uh, I just want to read this to you. Um, for an extract, okay, what I've done is I've taken an extract from Hebrews chapter 11, verses 7 to nine, 17 to 19, and it says, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, concluding, that's verse 19, that God was able to raise him up even from the dead. And I, you know, this, is just, this just blows my mind. First of all, Abram, was his, his faith was being tested. And it wasn't, his faith wasn't, he wasn't being tested in order to produce faith, okay? You're not tested in order to produce faith. He was being tested to reveal faith. Let's see how much faith you have, Abraham. God tested him, tested his faith, and he went to offer up Isaac. Why? Because he trusted God so much. He said, if, God, if you're telling me to sacrifice my son, I know you. I know that you're able to raise him from the dead. Guess what? Nobody up until this point had been raised from the dead in the Bible. The first time that anybody was raised from the dead happened a thousand years later with the widow of Zarephath when her son died and Elijah the prophet lay on him. It was a thousand years later and yet Abraham said, Lord, I know you're going to, whatever it takes, you're going to do it. If, it. if it means that you're going to raise him from the dead, you're going to raise him from the dead. But this was, the, this was the, the depth of his trust in God, his trust in God. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Don't rely on your intelligence. Don't rely on your intellect, but trust God. He knows best. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. He shall direct our paths. We need to have a heart like Abraham. Let's trust him. Let's obey him. Trust and obey. Trust and obey. It's so vital. This is what walking in God's will looks like. If God says to you, this is, and by the way, he will never tell you anything outside of the word, okay? Just to quantify that, and I've said it repeatedly, but I do want to just emphasize it. God will never direct you outside his word. I'll tell you now, God will never tell you and I'm going to say it, he'll never tell you to leave the church and go nowhere. It's contrary to his word. It's contrary to his ways. It's contrary to his will. God does not contradict himself. So if you're hearing from God, make sure by two or three witnesses, every word is established, okay? We're not going to just have one thing, a dream or a whatever, a prophecy, by two or three witnesses, let every word be established, okay? But we're going to trust God and obey him. We're going to hear that voice behind us say, this is the way, walk in it. This is the way, walk in, walk in it. And the Bible says in Proverbs 3 that in all our ways, acknowledge him. In all our ways, we're going to acknowledge him and he will direct our paths. 
Let's pray. Hallelujah. Father God, <laughs> thank you today for your word, Lord. Lord, we trust in you with all our hearts. Lord, we lean not on our own understanding. We lean not on our own intelligence and our intellect and our, and our opinion. But Lord, we lean on you. We lean on you today, Lord. We rely on you. Father God, build us. We pray that, we, that our lives will be built on understanding your will, that, Father God, that you will establish us in your word. Help us to walk that good, pleasing, and perfect will of yours, that perfect will, individually and collectively. We declare today that when it comes to your will, your ways, your word, we will not resist, we will not run, we will not distort and we will not deny the truth. We will not settle for that which is familiar, for that which is comfortable, but we will run the race that you've set before us. Lord, we seek you. We seek your will. Lord, your will be done. Not my will, but your will be done. We desire your kingdom come. Your will be done. And we commit to being a people of radical obedience and trust in you. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Praise God.